fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast starting this October 2020. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. It's us. It's you. It's you and me. And it's us. And talking we're talking about scary things. Scary stuff, scary tales. So if you've been tuning in with us, we sometimes are going to do grim fairy tales like Snow White. Sometimes we'll do some Disney fairy tales. We just might. And then sometimes we're going to... Just straight up scary just, tales. Tales that are scary. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like this week's episode. What are we doing this week? This week, since it is officially, um, we're getting closer and closer to Halloween, we thought we would do a little spooky something. Spooky spook. So we, we're looking at Dracula this week. So one of the classic vampire, the original vampire story. Uh, that's Edward Cullen. I was about to say, all you, all you Twilight fans out there, any, anybody who's dressed up as a vampire for Halloween, we're going to bring you the original today. I'm very excited. So first our, half of our episode is going to be our story and then the story behind the story. And then second half of our episodes will be a true crime related event. Mm-hmm. Lacey's got a good one for you today. So are you ready for me to tell you about Dracula? I am ready. Okay. So Dracula is a novel that takes place, starts off taking place in London. We meet a guy named Jonathan Harker, who is, um, I don't know, kind of like a real estate agent. He's helping... Cody Perry. <laughs> our, our pal, Cody Perry. Hit him up if you need a house. Mm-hmm. Um, he is helping a man, a rich nobleman named Count Dracula, buy a new piece of property in England. So he goes over there. He's helping him buy this house. He very quickly realizes Dracula won't let him leave. Dracula has him write letters home, letting his family know he's doing okay, and he realizes he is now a prisoner. He's not going to get out of this place. It's not good. It's not looking good for him. not where you want to be. No. So then he um, is trying to find an escape route. He eventually gets out of the main part of the castle where he's been held captive, and he runs into three lady vampires. Mm-hmm. So three ladies who are trying to suck his blood, Ooh. and somehow he makes it out of that alive. He's a strong man. He's a strong man. Um, so he makes it out alive. He People find him in the streets. They think he has gone mad, and he kind of is now sick. No one knows why. He kind of ends there a mystery. Okay. Um, his fiance picks up the story later she is in um england and she is 
wondering where he's been. Uh, she's gotten a couple letters from him, but they've been sporadic. He hasn't been communicating very much. So she and her best friend Lucy are just kind of hanging out. Um, Lucy has three men who are pursuing her. So yeah. Must be nice. It must be nice. A hoe. She's got three different three different men who are willing to propose to her. One of them is a um, doctor. One of them is a an American. Uh, his name is Quincy Morris. And then another one is like the son of a lord or he's a nobleman. So fancy. She's fancy. She ends up choosing the son of the nobleman. Um, but the doctor and the American, they're all still friends. Like That doesn't happen. That in doesn't real happen life. in real life. But they so. are all, it's amicable. So Mina starts noticing that weird stuff starts happening with Lucy. She's sleepwalking. She's pale. She's very tired. Uh, um, me. Yeah. <laughs> all of us right now. But she, things start start being weird. So she talks to the doctor that Lucy was going to potentially marry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he starts looking at her and trying to figure out what is going on with Lucy. Um, and he runs a mental hospital so he has a an asylum that he runs so he's got lots of patients he has one new patient who likes to eat spiders and insects and weird stuff okay um a couple doors down lucy's there being tended to all right and uh this doctor his name is dr seward he can't figure out what's going on so he calls in his old professor, old friend, old mentor, Van Helsing to help him. Heard of him. Heard of him. You maybe have seen a vampire movie mm-hmm. called Van Helsing, which we might do a movie review on. We will. Check it out. If you if you subscribe to our Patreon account, we'll do a movie review of Van Helsing. Do it. So Van Helsing comes in. He studies Lucy. He gives her all these like blood transfusions because she's pale, so she doesn't have blood. So let's mm-hmm. just give her some more blood. Makes sense. And he eventually realizes that there's a vampire involved. He has done a lot of research on the undead, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about later. And he decides Lucy is a vampire. She has she's been turned mm-hmm. and they must kill her. You got to. And the way you kill a vampire. Do you know the way you kill a vampire? Um, you see them and they're sparkling. And um, you kiss them straight on the mouth. You do. And while you're kissing them, you just shove a stake right through their head it, or their heart. Close, yeah. Close, minus the sparkles. Yeah, they um, cut her head off and stab her in the heart with the stake mm-hmm. um, and fill her head with garlic, just to be sure. Stuff, okay. her he- stuff her head with garlic, cut the head off, stuff it with garlic. You stake, gotta be sure. Stake through the heart. So this is where all the all of those vampire plot points come from. Jonathan, okay, the guy who was captured by Dracula, and Mina eventually are reunited. They get married. Um, but now they have to find Dracula because he's still going around. Where is he? What's he doing? He he Is he the guy eating bugs? He's the guy eating bugs in the, in the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, like, he couldn't get the people. So he when, he when he couldn't get blood from the people, he would get it from the... The it's not the same. No, it's not the same. I mean, I, we, you, we say that as mm-hmm. if we know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounded like he said that from experience. <sighs> so they all team up, all of the suitors of Lucy, Jonathan, Van Helsing, 
his now wife, Mina, they all team up to try to find and kill Dracula because now Dracula is preying on Mina. And bugs. And bugs still. They have to, I mean, they have to find him and kill them in order to save Mina so that she doesn't die like her best friend, which they do. Um, they they all team up. Spoiler alert. Now that I've already said it. Mm-hmm. They all team up. They eventually find Dracula. Um, they're trying to chase chase him back to his hometown of Transylvania. They kill Dracula, and they all live happily ever after. How'd they kill him? Chop off his head? Yep. Stab him with the stake? Yep. Did anybody die in the meantime? Uh, one of the... one The American. Of course. Of course. The American dies, uh, and, you know, fighting for... Fighting to seek the revenge for the lady he loved who didn't choose him. That's a good way to go. Well, (laughs) you know, it's a pretty good way to go. But, you know, a little glimmer of hope in the end. Um, Jonathan, Mina is saved. Jonathan and Mina are married, and they have a little boy, and they name him after the the American who died. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. I will say, this is the second time we filmed this part. The first time, Hannah, the story is very long. It's complicated. It's very difficult to summarize that as well as she did. And it's it's a very, it sounds like it's, I didn't want to read it beforehand. And then you told me about it. And I was like, I might need to check that it's, out. It's not a bad story. It is, I feel like I left out a lot of plot points. So for yeah. those of you, those Dracula fans out mm-hmm. there. I was just a know, quick, quick, scary Sorry tales. if I butchered it, you know. Some. But yeah, a quick, scary tale summary of the first ever vampire story I, I enjoyed that thank you thank you so now we talk about the history behind this story because mm-hmm. every every story is inspired by something yes every story has a story behind it we both kind of were looking at some of the history behind this and do you want to tell them the um the quote you found Lacey found a cool quote from one of the manuscripts or like one of the book's original publishings in the like you know, introduction of the book. She found mm-hmm. a cool quote from Bram Stoker. Yeah. So in the original preface, um, it was actually published as an Icelandic version. There was an Icelandic version of the story. Sure. And it included this passage, which said, um, I am, I am quite convinced that there is no doubt, whatever, that the events here described really took place. However, unbelievable and incomprehensible they might appear at first sight. And I am further convinced that they must always remain to some extent incomprehensible. That's deep. Mm-hmm. So there's some. So he's saying there's some real truth to the story. Which there always is. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the whole point of our podcast is that, is that there's always some real truth to the stories. They sometimes get tweaked or embellished. Mm-hmm. But he admits that a lot of the characters were inspired by real people. So like Jonathan Harker was supposed to be someone he knew in life. Jonathan's wife was someone that he knew in life who he said was a woman of character. The doctor was someone that he claimed to know in real life. So all of these people were people that were inspired by his friends and colleagues. Mm -hmm. So you might be wondering, well, then who was... I am wondering. Who was Dracula inspired by? We did some research, which and I think this is maybe common knowledge. I don't know. A lot of people... Have you heard of Vlad the Impaler? I have. From, I, from I, our I mean, research, I, yes. Yeah, I mean, I say Vlad. Vlad. Um, so Vlad the Impaler is supposed to be the inspiration behind 
Dracula. Um, and so we're going to tell you a little bit about him today. Mm-hmm. So this character, Vlad, the, the real person behind the character, was born in 1431 in Transylvania, which is where Dracula, the character, is supposed to be from. Um, it's now our modern-day Romania. So Transylvania is not a, not a place today you can travel to. He lived in a kingdom. This Transylvania was kind of stuck right in the middle of Christian Europe and this Ottoman Empire. So um, Transylvania, and more specifically, he was um, the Prince of Wallachia. Wallachia. It's, it's spelled Wallachia, but we looked up the pronunciation. It's Wallachia. So Prince of Wallachia, um, they were stuck right in between this Christian Europe, this Ottoman Empire, and so there's lots of war, lots of religious turmoil. So our guy Vlad just grew up with violence mm-hmm. and chaos. He was born in 13, 1431. He had an older brother. He was the second of four, so not directly in line to take over his father's throne. Um, his father's name was Vlad. Vlad, like everyone's name, uh-huh. basically is Vlad. Um, but he went by the name Dracul, which means dragon. Dracula, son of dragon. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of this kind of came from they were part of this like religious knights group called the Order of the Dragon. In Latin, the word for dragon is Draco, uh-huh. which I know him. We love a good Harry Potter reference. Yes, we do. So if you have a if you have a quote unquote bad guy in a story named anything relating to a dragon, bad guy, they're a bad guy, and this is where it comes from. So his father was a leader in this violence. He was often going to battle, um, stuck in between two kingdoms, trying to make. Um, everybody the, just get along. Trying to, trying to just make everybody happy. He goes to the Ottoman Empire and kind of attempts to strike a deal with them. And in the process, they ask for a um, something in return to like prove that he is serious about, like, true about his word. Some collateral. Some collateral. And he gives his two eldest sons as collateral. Oh. So they are shipped off to the Ottoman Empire where they're treated well. Uh, they take classes, like they they have training and classes. What well, I can't remember, oh, some of the classes were science, philosophy, art, and more specifically, the art of war. So mm. they're teaching these like seven and eight year olds war strategy. So from a very young age, Vlad kind of had a intense upbringing that his older brother kind of took this hostage quote i'm doing air Mm -hmm. quotes this hostage situation you know he tried to make the best of it take the classes learn the things vlad was very not happy i wouldn't be either so this kind of instilled this you know brooding anger he's bitter violence bitterness yes Mm -hmm. eventually vlad and his brother are returned to their own kingdom wallachia um, in 1448, so they would have been 16 or 17 years old around this time. It's also around that time that he is told that his father and older brother have been assassinated. Mm. 
So while they were gone, while that yes, while they were gone, while they were off fighting in wars, they were killed and assassinated. So a second thing to make and, Vlad and didn't they upset. die brutally? Some of there are different theories okay. for how they died. Um, one of them was that they were both like beheaded, which is kind of the standard. Mm-hmm. Assassination. That's what they do back then. Yeah, you know, the standard. You can't just die, right? Um, there are other stories that say that um, they were tortured. Their eyes were like they were blinded, or eyes were gouged out, and then that they were buried alive. I believe that. So you're gonna. It was a violent. I mean, time period. So uh-huh. I can see that. I mean, either way, even if they're not violently killed, they're still. I mean, you're still dead. They're still, yeah, and they're still murdered. Mm-hmm. So so Vlad has now, with his father and older brother dead, he is now the one to sit on the throne at like 16 or 17 years old. So young, angry. Bitter. Bitter, vengeful. Mm-hmm. So this is when he kind of sets out on his attempts to... Reclaim the throne. Yeah, and to like avenge his father's death. Mm-hmm. So... He has taken what he has learned from from his captivity, the art of war, and he starts this this own war campaign. His, this camp <laughs> that makes it sound a lot better, like <laughs> nicer than yeah. His name is Vlad this the Impaler. Blood, bloodshed mm-hmm. is basically what he starts. Yeah, his nickname becomes Vlad the Impaler because he had a lot of aggressive tactics. That's putting it to put nicely. it lightly. He he's so he's always just basically he he does eventually take over the throne of Wallachia, but he doesn't stop there. He once he reclaims that throne, he goes on and just wants to take down the Ottoman Turks for what they did to his father. Mm. So he just never stops. He never stops. There's no end end goal in his mind. So he um, is. Fighting against the Ottoman Turks. So there's a story that at one point he came across some of these Ottomans who were refusing to remove their hats as a religious moment. And so um, he decided that he was going to, like, staple, like, nail, staple. They probably didn't have staples. <laughs> like no staples. Nail their hats to their heads. Oh. I mean, like, so you won't take it off? Uh, I'll, show you, I'll show you. So that's, I mean, that was kind. small story, uh-huh. side story about him. Um, there's another story that he, when he defeated one of his rivals, also named Vlad, Vladislav, Vladislav, um, that he beheaded him like right then and there on the battlefield. Yeah, you know, in front of everybody, kind of, kind of staking his claim, show, making a show of his enemy. And mm-hmm. what he does to them, um, but it just kept going. Fourteen sixty-two. He is still. He's at war with the Ottomans again. Of course. He now is not just doing gruesome things to the people that he's fighting against, but like to everyone. He's got these mass killings, um, like like twenty thousand people mass killings, mm-hmm. and his favorite form of public torture slash killing was can you guess 
Impaling. Impaling. The name, Vlad the Impaler. Um, He would impale his enemies, victims, and, you know, leave their bodies for everyone to see. Some, I think you actually found this um, fact about, didn't you research, like, some of the wooden stakes that he would use? So he, um, instead of using sharp wooden stakes, he would use blunt wooden stakes and shove it up from bottom to top. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a human but, being, you got their bottom, you got yeah, their head. Go ahead and start. We're down, yep. down, up, yep. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I do. And he would use the blunt stakes because it would take them longer to die and bleed out if it was a it blunt. Wouldn't, yeah, because it wouldn't like. It would kind of go around the organ, yeah, it not necessarily pierce them. It wouldn't pierce their internal organs. So the theory was the blunt one would. Let them scoot around their internal organs so that yeah. I'm sure they all just oh. died pretty quickly, but yeah, yeah, still. I also like the the story of um, the forest. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yes, you want to tell us? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, like just, she said, 1462, he was at war with the Ottomans, and they were actually had an army that was three times the size of Vlad's, and they were coming after Vlad, and he and his army hid in the forest. And what they did was they would poison wells so the advancing army would come up and need to drink right, water. Because you, you have to fight dirty yeah. if you are uh-huh. one-third the size of your Right. Got to use some strange enemy. tactics. Yep. Um, he would burn crops so they wouldn't no have anything food, to eat. No yeah. water. Mm-hmm. And he would also, he would, I guess, somehow this isn't a good word, insert diseases into people, his own people, and send them <laughs> into the opposing army and let the diseases spread. So like bio, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, Not biological warfare, but kind of, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So clever. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, some might say like demented. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, if you had a, if you're fighting an army three times the size of your own, you right. Gotta, and this may have been something he learned from the Ottomans. Cause mm-hmm. like he would have been studying, war and war tactics and strategies and stuff so the good the good the bad and the ugly researching this is interesting (laughs) we're like impaling i'm laughing because i'm uncomfortable yes we are eventually i mean the the theory is that he killed as many as sixty thousand people over the course of his that takes a lot of time that's a lot to impaling more than twenty thousand, but killing more than sixty thousand. that's a lot of it's probably not it's i would what do you think? It'd take like 20 minutes to impale somebody? I mean, I've I, never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's not easy. I wouldn't think. Oh, I it's not like putting a toothpick through a uh, no. pig in the blanket. No, but I'll probably never eat pigs in a blanket oh, again. Sorry. <laughs> but now, based on that imagery. And Actually, then he would leave the impelled people. Right. As a... Like a deterrent. Yeah, as a oh. warning for everyone else. Can you else. imagine just coming up on all these people? Right. And sometimes they were beheaded. You know, combined two things he loved, impaling and mm-hmm. beheading. So sometimes sometimes we would impale people with their heads on. Sometimes we impale them with their heads off. Sometimes we have the impaling rod and just the head. Yeah. Like all terrifying things. Uh-huh. Actually, a variety. A variety. There's a lot of poverty in his kingdom. And so there's one story that he allegedly invited all of the peasants to a feast, mm-hmm. like a big banquet hall or a feast hall. And fed them tons of food, like fed them, you know, all the food and wine. Filled up their bellies. Filled them up. 
and then locked the doors of the feasting hall and set the building on fire. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that happens in the Patriot. Yeah, and he was like, "This is, you know, I've I've cured this our kingdom of our poverty, poverty." Problems. So it wasn't just his violence and his, you know, attitude wasn't just tor- just in war times. Mm-hmm. It was in other things too. It's also all very strategical. Yes. Like evil, yes, but also not just evil for the sake of being evil. But well, we see. I feel like we see a lot of evil people who are very like intelligent, like mm-hmm. strategic. Like, they've studied and plotted and planned. Like, this wasn't just random. Yeah. Like, you had to think. I don't think you can be a stupid mess Premeditated would be a good word. Mm -hmm. There's another story I read. There's not a lot about his mom. I I couldn't find a lot about his mom. And one source was saying that he, you know, kings and people on thrones would often have mistresses. Mm -hmm. And so... Some people say that they don't even know who his mom is, that there was a queen, but that he potentially was just born from one of these mistresses. So also didn't grow up with a good, like, loving mother figure. You know, you grow up with, like, a warlord for a father. And there's another impaling moment that says that he really didn't like infidelity in his kingdom, and he didn't like, um, you know, he, like, valued chastity and was very against cheating and stuff and so if there were women that were caught cheating on their husbands or women that got pregnant out of wedlock that he also liked to impale them he just impaling everybody so it yeah just and what about the the um the dipping the bread This we like snacks here. We do. We it's almost it's probably almost time for a snack break anyway. It is. So let's. You know, let's one of Vlad's fr- favorite snacks. Tell him. Um, some some people said that we talked about how he would like just leave these impaled bodies everywhere. Um, that he would, they would have like a feast or a banquet mm-hmm. just with all celebrating these, celebrating that they just you know defeated all these people and impaled all these people, and that. Um, he would sometimes dip his bread in their blood, mm. which is also like... Anytime I like cut my lip and I taste blood, it doesn't taste good. No. It tastes like iron. No. And I feel like that's... Maybe I needed some bread. Maybe you did. <laughs> Maybe that would have made the made it go down easier. I also feel like that's a very... I mean, this is all a very religious time. It's also weirdly like communion thing. Oh, that's true. Which, you know, there were, a lot of the battles were over religious differences always back then did did yeah. anyone ever impel vlad <laughs> no but that would would have made for a, a good he, ending did he want to be impelled probably how did he, he's how did he die um he eventually was killed in battle it's oh. like very, not it's his destiny it I sounds mean, like he was killed in battle and beheaded he the classic killing route Mm-hmm. Um, no, they should have impaled him. Who? Why didn't? Why didn't they do that? No, it's it was like he died seventeen or fourteen seventy six against the Ottomans, the you know the people he was mm-hmm. fighting his whole life, um, and it was like a small ambush, so it was not a big huge battle. I mean, yeah. to my knowledge, I mean I'm not a warlord, but <laughs> it seemed to be like very anticlimactic for the violent life that he lived. He was killed in an ambush. They beheaded him. And then, Good riddance. and then I heard that they delivered his head to the leader of Constantinople. I Which, loved that word. First of all, 
Constantinople. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do like that. And that's a very, I mean, hold side tangent, but that's a very like, you know, sending the, the, see that the thing lot. you've just defeated, mm-hmm. like to the people who, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I wonder what they did with his head. Here's the place we're going to travel to in this story. Um, Tokat, I think that's how you say it, Castle, which is actually in northern Turkey, so I'm confused. <laughs> there. Ottoman uh, Ottoman yeah. and Turkish. Ottoman I think he was there, there that people believe he passed through there. And while he was there, they, they actually, the archaeologists found two dungeons where they believe Vlad the Impaler was held hostage. And you can go see those today. Oh, from like when he was a kid? Mm-hmm. I don't think I want to go. I don't know if I want to go see that, though. Or just, no, I, it might have been the ones where they he got held captive several like times. War. Yeah. And you can go visit it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Less creepy than visiting the places where he impaled people. Yeah. Like places where he was held captive. I'd go there, too. You would? You know I would. I know. Lacey's got a little little sinister side to her. I'm a little hungry. Are you hungry now that we've been talking about dipping bread in people's blood Mm -hmm. and feasting among impaled bodies? We have a good snack today. We do. So, is it time? It is. We'll we'll see you in just a second. It's time for our snack break. Snack break. Are you oh. going to sing our jingle? Snack break. It's a snack. We are super excited about our snack break today. So we've got some coffee as our snack break today because our new friends over at Sinister Coffee and Creamery. They were really kind. Were really kind. They sent us some coffee. They did. And it's um, delicious. Shall so, we take a sip? Yeah, we've got our um, cheers. Cheers. Oh, clink. Oh. Trying to clink that without mm-hmm. spilling coffee everywhere. Here we go. Here we go. Mmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's delicious. It's good. They sent us the Deja Vu blend, which yeah, and they sent us a cute little card. It came in this, um, you know, Pre- little. little pr- black sealed bag we posted about it on our instagram i had to learn how to grind beans we did yeah Lacey was like oh man like it's it's whole whole beans what do we do and i said have you never ground coffee beans before so i had to bring her a coffee grinder they um it's really awesome because they roast the beans when you order them so it makes everything super fresh yeah it smells amazing i mean opening the package itself like smelled incredible then you open Mm -hmm. the bag they've sent you oh it's just so good they also make ice cream, which we really, really want to try, and everything is spooky themed, right? Yes. So, what are some other names? So that's what I'm looking at there. I'm pulling up there both their coffee and their ice cream. Um, they can't. They didn't. We, we're in Alabama. They're uh-huh. in Oregon. Couldn't ship the ice cream. Um, but on there, let's see. So coffee, we tried the Deja Vu blend. And you can do subscriptions with them. So you can do like a monthly subscription and they'll just ship it right to you. Mm-hmm. It takes out the, you know, pain of either having to go to the store last minute when you're out of coffee or like, heaven forbid, having to go a day without coffee. Oh, you, it's the worst. You set your, you got your coffee maker set to go 5:30. off at 5.30 every morning. So the Deja Vu, Deja Vu blend that we're drinking is a dark roast and a medium roast. Mm-hmm. Blend. It's so good. Um, other things that they have, other coffee, they have Spectre Coffee Apparition, Ooh. Clairvoyant, Relic, 
maybe one day we'll get some ice cream. I really do. I mean, I think it genuinely would be fun to go to Portland. Uh-huh. We're Stay coming. in the Twilight we're, House. We're coming, ladies. It's a female-owned company also. So that's really cool. And um, maybe y'all can come down here to Alabama. Hey, yeah. If, you, if they're ever in Alabama. Come on by. Yeah, we would the, love that. We'll give you some sweet tea. No, no, we'll give you some sweet tea. And if you come, bring some ice cream with you. Thanks for thanks for the coffee. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, if you, to our listeners, if you guys are out there and you are looking to get in the coffee game or if you're bored of whatever coffee you're doing, um, head mm-hmm. over to their website is sinistercoffeeandcreamery.com. Yep, let us know what you think. Should we get back to it? Let's get, now that I got my caffeine and my coffee... It's going to be good. I'm ready to go for round round two. Buckle in, settle down. Here we go. Here we go. And we're back. We are back. We're caffeinated from our coffee break, our Mm -hmm. snack break. And we're here to talk about some murder. Second part, true crime. True crime, murder, bad people. I mean, not that the first half didn't talk about bad people because Vlad was Mm -hmm. pretty bad. Vlad was bad. Vlad was bad. All right. Are you ready for today's story? I'm ready. Tell Tell us about our true crime today. The true crime we'll be talking about today, we're going to talk about the vampire murders. That sounds fitting. Right? Dracula. On theme. On brand. On theme. So, I'm going to need you to buckle in, because... I mean, I know it's going to be gruesome. Mm-hmm. I know there's going to be lots of bloodshed, because what vampire story isn't? Twilight. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. There, there, there's not a lot of bloodshed in There's really not. Twilight. No. So, today we're going to talk about a one Mr. Roderick Farrell. Roderick. Ever heard of him? I haven't, actually. All right. He was born on March 28th, 1980... So, 10 years before I was born, and he was actually born to a 16-year-old mom, and her name was Sandra Gibson. He didn't know his father, unfortunately. His father joined the military and abandoned Rod and his mother early on, Um, and I think that's a pattern and a theme we see with serial killers is... Absentee mm -hmm. father figure. Abandonment issues. Right. So, obviously, Rod did not have a very stable home life. He and his mom had to bounce from house to house. Sometimes they would live with Sandra's parents, and other times they would live in public housing. And his mom actually had to work as a sex worker slash exotic dancer to make the ends meet. You say all now, but... I know that. I mean... She's... You'll see. No. Just Sandra's not the best. Oh, oh, she's going to play a big role Uh in this? Okay, good. Uh, sadly, there are reports that Sandra's dad, so Rod's grandfather, actually sexually abused Rod when he was around five years old. Oh, five. Yeah. And uh, he later reported this to the police, and he described it as a gang rape. And not only that, but apparently there was also a ritual, and there was a human sacrifice. And his grandfather was a part of this group called the Black Mask. Oh. Yeah. That just escalated real quickly. No criminal charges were ever pursued. but um, So that's that's where we're starting. His mom is actually the one that introduced Rod to vampires at a very young age. And they would watch Dracula films together. 
And she soon began to dabble in vampirism. Sandra oh. did. So, um, like I said, we just, don't, not the mother of the year award. No, just because you watch a vampire movie doesn't mean you should start dabbling. I've never had the urge. No. Nope. Nope. Um, they also had, Sandra and Rod had a troubled relationship. He actually once wrote in a school essay, he said, she is a monster when she is angry, but I still love her. A literal monster because she thinks she's a vampire. Yeah, so that's creepy. There's that. Um, so like I said, Sandra kept or began to introduce Rod to vampirism. And he was already a fan of Dungeons and Dragons, which I really want to learn how to play. I've never played. Nope. I've, I feel like that's one of the games I've always heard of, but mm-hmm. I've never played or even like seen it. Yeah. I think you need to have someone already established that knows how to play it. Yeah. I've read the rules before. What is going on? It's I don't understand. It's more intense than contain. Yes. So if you know how, we'll just meet up one day, play a little game. Probably not. No, do some background checks first. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, he also is interested, and I'd never heard of this, he was interested in a game called Vampire the Masquerade. I've never heard of that either. Um, I haven't either, but apparently it's a tabletop game that is set in a gothic punk version of the modern world. And all the players assume the role of a vampire, and they were referred to as the kindred. Mm-mm, I, don't, I don't like that. <laughs> um, and they battle night-to-night struggles against their own bestial natures um, and the vampire hunters hey, that are also in the game. I just looked it up because... Mm-hmm. You, you need know. to. Um, apparently, there's a video game version of it now, too, and it looks creepy. Maybe we start there. Maybe we start I there. Also, I'm horrible at... Um, any game that where you have to sh- like shoot the gun. What is that called? First person. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. I'm not I don't, a, whatever. I'm not where a you gamer. have to shoot a gun and the dogs come out. There's some game that Chase plays, and I, I can't control where I look and where I step. Oh yeah, I don't like that. I'm 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 a I'm a stick Mario. to board board games and Mario Kart. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, no, this one looks real creepy. Um, um so that kind of started off, you know, not the greatest, but then it's an intense childhood. Then he starts developing a um, lust for blood. He starts cutting himself and drinking his own blood. Mm-mm. And Sandra claimed that one day she came home and Rod had cut an upside down cross on his chest and was drinking the blood. Which an upside down cross was a very like sinister symbol. Yes. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I would be like. We're going to take a trip in my car to the hospital. Yep. And we're you're going to go to the mental. We're going to check you into the psych ward now, Rod. Um, but she was also a vampire, so she was probably like, oh, cool. I'm so proud. She was probably like, I understand. Mm-hmm. I've been there. So he was expelled by the ninth grade. I'm not surprised. Yep. Unfortunately, I'm not either. And by 14, he was already uh, doing all the drugs. Marijuana, LSD, all of them. That's pretty young. Mm-hmm. So, do you know how to become a vampire? You ever tried? <laughs> I have not. And I feel like that's part, that, that's like something that's left out in Dracula. That, right. You know, we just, he's here and he's a vampire. And the way other people become vampires is by like being bit by a vampire. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, how did the first vampire become a vampire? Right. Well, I'm about to tell you. Like, so, you have to be great. sired. According to these people, and you, um, the person who sires you, you drink their blood and they drink yours. So the person who sired Rod, his name was Jaden Murphy. 
and um when you drink from another vampire in this ritual it's called the embrace i don't like all these names (laughs) they make it sound so lovely i know like Like kindred and embracing mm -hmm. like those have like very positive connotations to them but then you put it in the realm of a vampire and i'm like creeped out yeah um so you know i said sandra not winning the mother of the year award not not you know came from troubling background Uh didn't get herself out of it Uh uh-huh just the cycle is repeating yeah and rod um well she was 34 and she they they later found that she was writing disturbing love letters to Jada Murphy, the guy that saw that sired Ron, Ron, the, just called him Rod, Rod, the vampire, uh-huh. the vampire boy. Um, she was writing love letters to his younger brother Stephen. Oh, okay, it was the bro- to the brother of the vampire boy. Mm-hmm. Okay, another um, and another a, clan. Like, it's he also part of the vampire club? Probably, yeah. Um, right. And this is all I forgot to mention. This is all taking place in Kentucky. Okay, like mm-hmm. rural Kentucky, mm-hmm. Murray. Because what? Because oh, I've never even heard of Murray, Kentucky. Me either. So what else are you gonna do in? Yeah, what? In a rural area. Mm-hmm. So I have a snippet of the letter she wrote to this fourteen-year-old boy. Please Keep in mind, it. she's thirty-four. She said, "I long to be near you for your embrace. Yes, to become a vampire, a part of the family, immortal and yours truly forever. I only hope that one day you will once again return to Murray." You will then come for me and cross me over, and I will be your bride for eternity and you my sire. You can't see my face right now, but <laughs> it is not pleasant. Uh, it's uncomfortable. It's icky. Yeah, that's icky. So he has this little group, him and Jaden, but Jaden starts to notice that Rod is getting more violent. And apparently the thing about true vampires is they don't believe in killing others because they believe that life is sacred. Well, and doesn't sire, isn't that like a sexual thing? Probably. There, there is a lot of sex involved. Because, because the, there seems to be one form of vampires that it's like you bite someone, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the killing and drinking their blood, and then there seems to be another f- mm-hmm. group that's like, their little posse i watched love on each other and i watched some interviews and they were like all hanging out in this basement and like this red basement and they just do it all day it would it would be a red basement Uh uh-huh yeah so he was getting more violent rod was and Jaden was starting to notice and one night Jaden and rod are hanging out and they're going for a walk in their trailer park suddenly there was a kitten and Mm -hmm. uh rod picked up the kitten the kitten scratched him as kittens do they have claws big surprise this enraged rod and he picked the kitten up by the neck threw it against a tree and killed it and Jaden was like "Mm, this he was like this is not a good sign we're not let's not do this anymore yeah so So they kick him out of the club so they kind of kicked him out of the (laughs) the club i know i keep calling it a club like i don't know what else yeah yeah i don't know what else to call it the embrace so but he found some new buddies he kind of has his own group now, and it is made up of several people. Those people are Scott Anderson, who is Rod's kind of right-hand man, Chastity Kesey, which is Rod's 16-year-old girlfriend. Uh, it's a girl named Dana Cooper. She doesn't have any... It doesn't say, like, secretary or treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Heather Windorf, and that's the name you want to put on the back burner okay. heather, heather Wendorf. Wendorf. Mm-hmm. and as outsiders they kind of all enjoyed 
having a common interest and things seem to be going good until there's yeah there's until mm -hmm. um they all met up at what they called the vampire hotel and it was just a dilapidated structure out in the woods and this is where they would perform their rituals uh throw a lot of parties do psychedelics normal vampire stuff yeah suck each other's blood embrace each other Mm -hmm play uh vampire the masquerade vampire the masquerade the tabletop version um at this time rod was moving back and forth between murray kentucky and eustace florida um apparently saunders parents had bought a home down there and while he was visiting eustace florida that's where he met heather windorf so this is when she gets added Mm -hmm. to the to the group down in florida yep so it's reported that heather um was a troubled I tr- almost said a troubled lad, <laughs> a troubled a troubled lady, and she rebelled against her parents uh, frequently and would often just become really mad at them for telling her to clean her room or just other trivial stuff. Okay, which teenagers? Uh, yeah. So, um, so far not. She's not that bad. I mean, not terrifying. Yeah. Not 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 a scary teenager like Rod is a scary teenager. Correct. Um, Rod had to move back to Kentucky in the 10th grade, and this is when he started calling Heather Collect all the time and running up really expensive phone bills. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what Collect is, right. this is when you had to pay for your minutes, your minutes, and you didn't get unlimited. They were the best of times. They, they were, were the, the worst, worst of times. times. Her parents didn't like this and said, you can't call him anymore. And as you can imagine, that made Heather very angry. I have a side note. Why is Rod calling Heather all the time when Dana is his girlfriend? Or, I'm sorry, Chastity is his girlfriend. Oh, well, that's a, probably a whole other. But uh, then again, not surprised. Twist, you know, mm-hmm. they're just having all these, you know, vamp- what they're all vampire doing all orgies. Then, yeah. you know, there, there doesn't seem to she, be a lot of faithfulness. True. In this. Group. What am I thinking? So, around this time in Murray, back in Murray, uh, Rod started telling everyone that he was a 500-year-old vampire named Visago, I think is how you say that. Um, you might be wondering, where does yeah, this name come so from? Ran- that is so it random. It sounds like a vampire name. I mean, it does. But it's also like, like a cheese. He just woke up one day and was like, I am Visago. Uh, so, this was, he got this name. It was apparently a um, butchery of the name well, they're just spelled different. There's Visago, V-E-S-A-G-O, which is what he called himself. And then the real one he was trying to say was V-A-S-S-A-G-O. But Visago was apparently a demon in the occult literary work, The Lesser Key of Solomon. You ever read that literary I, lady? No, I haven't. It's not on my bookshelf. It was a spell book that dealt with demonology. And in the book, Visago is third in command to Satan and his army of rebels. I've never heard of that. Um, and he, Visago, apparently had these special powers, and one of them was fortune telling. But also, like, um, you can be anybody you want to be, and you cho- chose to be third in command. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you just call yourself? Just go. We're we're being realistic here. He's yeah. like, I'm gonna choose a third level, uh-huh. third string guy. So again, Rod's behavior just became increasingly, increasingly more dangerous. And this part of the story, I don't. I don't, I don't like any part of the story, but this part I really don't like. Uh-oh. So in October of 1996, the local um, animal, shel- 
Animal Shelter, Murray oh. Calloway County Animal Shelter. One of the workers gets there that morning and sees that a huge hole has been cut out of the fence. So obviously someone tried to break in. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like where this is going already. Yeah. What she finds are two puppies that have been gruesome and gruesomely killed. Their limbs had been ripped from their bodies and one of them had uh, been decapitated. And the people who were investigating it um, said that they could tell that the puppies were, the limbs were ripped from their bodies while they were still alive. Ew. And they found out that Rod was behind this. And he was arrested on charges of burglary, trespassing, and cruelty to animals. Which, he's now leveled up from his last mm-hmm. animal moment. Picked yep. up a kitten and scratched him. He got angry. I have that TikTok, tong- TikTok song stuck in my head. That one that's like, level up, level up, <laughs> level up. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happened because now he's breaking in somewhere. Uh-huh. It's not just like a convenience thing. Like, he's premeditating and going mm-hmm. out of his way. But also, at this point, you know, killing animals is a sign of right. serial. Uh, let's just go ahead and put him somewhere. Yeah. Let's or not get him just, some counseling. Right. We're just going to arrest him and then let him out later in november of 1996 uh rod chastity scott and dana they their plan was to drive to eustace pick up heather windorf and they were going to move the clan to new orleans and in doing so he believed that he was saving heather from her horrible parents who like stopped her from talking on the phone and and, like like, made made her her, clean her room room, and it was just like ew ew (laughs) ew That's how I picture Heather to talk. According to Google Maps, the drive from Murray to Eustis would have taken 11 hours and 24 minutes. It's approximately 774.6 miles. So they were a long way away. Dedicated. Yeah, that's commitment. So the bad, bad stuff all went down on November 25th, 1996. They held a ritual where Heather was sired to Rod. She drank his blood. So, so that made the trip, mm-hmm. did the ritual. Um, right after he did this, Rod did some LSD. LSD is that how you say that? Did some LSD? I don't know. It's not drank. It's their shot at it. no. I'm not experienced. We have no idea. Um, and they headed to he- headed to Heather's home, and they were going to steal her parents' car so they could go to New Orleans. Which, what was wrong with the car that you came down in? I don't know. So they go to Heather's house, and before Rod goes inside, Heather supposedly tells him, I don't want you messing with my parents. Just leave them alone. Okay, so Rod's upset. Like, Rod's mad because he thinks, you know, her parents are the worst, and Mm -hmm. now she's trying to calm him down. Yeah. So he, um, Rod and Scott Anderson, remember he's Rod's right-hand man, Mm -hmm. around 9 p.m., they break into the house through the garage. They um, have crowbars with them. And they come upon Heather's dad, Richard Wendorf, asleep on the couch. Um, they immediately start bludgeoning Mr. Wendorf to death with the crowbar. Yikes. So they're beating him. At one point, he is still breathing after being beaten. And Rod takes the crowbar, which isn't like an exactly like a sharp object. It's more blunt. Yeah. And he stabs Mr. Wendorf straight through the chest. Ooh. Kills Rod, him. Rod did. Mm-hmm. So Rod's the, yeah. the ultimate. Mm-hmm. And then you'll later see that Scott later said, like, and, and um, Rod admitted Scott just watched the whole time. Oh, good. So I looked at the autopsy pictures. You can find Ooh. those online. Uh, don't recommend them. This is why Lacey does this part of the <laughs> podcast, because I 
yeah. would will not yes. look at the autopsy pictures. Um, Mr. Wendorf had suffered more than 22 blows to the face. And apparently when they were done doing this, they danced around the body. I'm sure it's another a type of ritualistic. Ri- yeah, yeah, another ritual. So Heather's mom is also home, and she hears the commotion and comes back out to wherever she was, was at. I, I read in one part she was taking a shower. But anyways, she had a cup of coffee with her, and she was act- she was surprised that Rod was there and had blood all over him. Also, I doubt she knew who Rod was, so who was this strange man in my house? Right. She throws the cup of scalding coffee on him out of surprise, and that is when he begins to beat her with the crowbar. And um, he actually hit her so hard that he severed her brainstem, which Yikes. kills you instantly. Dang. So later, when being interviewed about this, he said, Rod said, by that time, you know, it was pretty obvious. I had blood on me and a crowbar in my hand. I was fixing to say, yeah, I want to have coffee with you, son of a bitch, bitching smart ass. <laughs> he talks that way. But anyway, then that's when she lunged at me because I was actually going to let her live. But after she lunged at me, I just took the bottom of the crowbar and kept stabbing it through her skull. And whenever she fell down, I just continually beat her until I saw her brains falling on the floor because that pissed me off. So no remorse. None. No. I, oh, yeah. Right when he was arrested, he he went no he remorse. He was so proud. casual. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the Orlando Sentinel, both of the victims had been given ritualistic burns also. They killed her parents, and then they stole a credit card, some jewelry, and the family's blue Ford Explorer, and they left. And they're headed to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Probably because New Orleans has some, like... Yeah, it has some, like... Voodoo. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, Jennifer Wendorf, Heather's sister, uh, she's only 17 years old. She gets home, and she discovers her parents' dead bodies um, and calls 911. And her 911, uh, the recording says, my sister is gone. She should be here. She's only 15, and she's gone. So she's like, where's Heather? Yeah, because she probably thinks something bad happened to mm-hmm. Heather. Or she's she been got, kidnapped, like, kidnapped and was part yeah. of it. Yeah. So on November 27th, murder warrants were issued for all five of the teens, including Heather. But they're on the run by this point. Uh, on their way to New Orleans, and on their way, they actually get stopped by police five times. It, That's a lot. What are you doing? Right. How many tickets did you get? Yeah. You have no money. Which I get, I mean, was anybody actually 16? Because um, that's another thing is I'm like, you got five kids in the car. You get right. stopped five times. Mm-hmm. How did you get let go for, you know? He's probably 15, 16, I guess. Because he was, he was 14 when um, he started doing drugs and stuff. I don't think I've been stopped five times ever. I've been stopped once in my life. Yeah. So five times in one trip. You're really doing it. That's impressive. So they initially stopped in New Orleans. And when they got there, they needed some money. So they robbed a house where they took $20. And you rob a house and all you take is 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for them, they thought that New Orleans, uh, the police presence was way too heavy in New Orleans. So then they decided to go to Baton Rouge and they spent four days there on the run. Charity Kesey, um, Rod's girlfriend, she called her mother asking for money. Idiot. Yeah. Smooth cat. Um, Charity. Because she called, they were able to, I guess, track her phone number, and they were able, the police were able to find them. So they have all been arrested at this point. All five. Mm-hmm. 
When they were arrested, Rod claimed that he had been framed by a rival vampire group. And he said that he was trying to ditch being a vampire. He also claimed that he had multiple personalities. And um, I've seen pictures of him when they would photograph him, the police, and going in and out of court and stuff in the jail. He would stick out his tongue or sarcastically say, God bless America. Okay, so I can understand the multiple personalities part. Yeah. 100%. Probably not going to believe you that the uh, rival vampire group was framing you. (laughs) What other viral viral vampire group? Um, Rod pleaded guilty to two counts of murder in the first degree, and his trial began on February 5th, 1998. So here comes Sandra, because her son's in jail. I forgot about the mom. Good old Sandra. She's back. And she said just before the trial... That her involvement in vampirism was just Hollywood idiocy. Yes. She went, I mean, yes, it was idiotic, but I feel like she, she was committed. You went beyond just like watching a movie. Uh Uh-huh. She said that, but then during trial, she would turn to the state attorney, Brad King, and a group of reporters and said, we live forever. (laughs) That's so creepy. Yeah. So Rod's lawyers did present a mental health defense. I'm of course. Not, not surprised. They he called, probably did have some mental health oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They called three experts that claimed that he was under the influence of extreme mental or emotional disturbance. Obviously. Right. They also argued that his capacity to appreciate the criminality of his conduct was impaired by his upbringing, his drug abuse, and his interest in the occult. Yeah, but that doesn't negate yeah. that... He, he still knew what he was doing. Criminal conduct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had a, what, an 11-hour drive mm-hmm. down to Florida to... Right. Think about it. Yeah. His defense expert testified that he suffered from schizotypal disorder, which has delusional symptoms such as schizophrenia. And the state's expert, Dr. Gregory Pritchard, testified that uh, Rod did not suffer from mental illness, but did have personality issues. Which... which <laughs> same... Uh, either way you've you know there's something going on here um weeks later the trial ended he rod was sentenced to death and he was only 17 years old at the time and that made him the youngest person to ever be sentenced to death yeah because normally you're Mm -hmm. try you know tried as a juvenile right but he was sentenced to death and the reporting circuit judge uh whose name was jerry lockett he told rod I think you are a disturbed man. I think your family failed you. I think society failed you. That just, that got that probably hit him deep. Or he probably was like, oh, God whatever. bless America. Stuck <laughs> out his tongue. Right. Scott Anderson, you know the his right hand man, Rod's right hand mm-hmm. man. He pleaded guilty and received two life sentences. Scott claimed that he never touched the Windorfs and had attempted to calm down Roderick. So he would have been like a, what an accessory to murder, right. not like. Mm-hmm. The actual killer. Correct. Dana and Chastity, they made plea deals, and in exchange, they only got... Well, Charity was given 10-year sentence, and Dana received 17 years. And they are both now free in this day and time. I wonder why they got different years. Yeah, I wonder. You know, like, uh, y'all are both... Maybe one of them was driving the car, like the getaway car. Maybe. But they were both out in the car, so... Okay, but what about... Who's the... What about the girl? I mean, oh, yeah. Heather. Mm-hmm. So, back up. December 2018, Scott Anderson, his sentence was reduced to 40 years, 
and he will be 51 when he is released. So he'll get out if he lives another 51 years. Heather, the um, they did not prosecute her. They decl- the jury de- declined to press charges. And um, as far as we know, in 2006, Heather was married and studying in North Carolina. She's living her life. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Rod, um, when he was first arrested and um, he would do interviews and stuff, he was still uh, claiming the vamp- vampire life. Still a little cray-cray. He's still said, 500-year-old Visago. Mm-hmm. He said, going to the electric chair, as morbid as it may sound, it's been a fantasy of mine. I used to think about that a long time ago when I was nine years old. I used to dream about my own death, so it was just intriguing. I was, it was almost like I was romantic with the subject of death. I don't care how I die as long as I do. I have nothing left on earth. Um, and I've watched these interviews with him, and he, um, he, he sounds like a vampire. Like, he thinks he's like an old Italian vampire. It's really, <laughs> yeah, it's really creepy. In November of 2000, Rod's death sentence was commuted to life in prison because the Florida Supreme Court ruled that you cannot be 17 um, and get a, a execution hmm. verdict. So, so that happened in 2000, but then in 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all juvenile killers with automatic life, re-sentence, life sentences must be resentenced. Goodness, so he's sentenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Death How, sentence, life sentence, yeah. resentence. Mm-hmm. However, on a 55-page decision written by the circuit uh, judge, Richard Singletary, he ruled that Rod, now 40, was not entitled to relief granted to other teen killers. He stated that Rod was irreparably corrupt. So so he didn't get resentenced. That's, they, that's my understanding. They said mm-hmm. life sentence is what you get. Right. And at this resentencing, this is kind of when you can see a change in Rod. He made a tearful apology to the Windorfs um, and the Windorfs family and said, regardless of the outcome of this resentencing, please know just how deeply sorry I am for all the hurt I have caused. I'm sorry for all the pain in your loss. I'm sorry for everything, which this is the first time he's shown ever, sympathy. Yeah, the first time he's ever admitted, mm-hmm. like, empathy. Sorrow. Yeah. Um, and he, this fun tidbit later, he said that among all the classes he had taken in prison, the most important were the ones on victim impact and empathy. So, so maybe that's what... He learned something. Yeah, maybe that's what caused a little bit of change in mm-hmm. him. I still can't believe that Heather did not they they were saying she suffered enough well and i wonder if that's because there's record of her telling rod to leave her family alone yeah but that that can also just be hearsay yeah but that like none of the other people like said anything for or against like they could have thought that they had plotted that the whole trip down that's true i think she should have served a little bit of time just a little bit i mean I don't know. That is weird, though, that they all, all five of the people got different sentencings. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Rod, rightfully so, should have yeah. taken them. He, he's the, not, he doesn't sound like one that can be, um, no, what's the word I'm looking for? Not rejuvenated. Like, um, redeemed. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. He seems pretty evil. He seems like he's in the good, he's in, he's probably where he needs yeah. to be. Yeah. Learn all, learn all, take all those classes on victim impact and empathy. Yes. Keep learning. You little turd. Keep learning. That's it. That's That's heavy. That's my true crime story for today. Um, Probably not going to dress up as a vampire for Halloween. Probably not. You know. Not after that. that. Now that we know some of them. Mm -hmm. Not not looking to get involved in vampire. You don't want to be Rod for Halloween. 
No. Well, we talked about Dracula. We talked about a real life Dracula. Vlad. Vlad, the Impaler. And then I gave you a little true crime on some vampire people that thought they were vampires. We, um, next week, you want to tell them what we're doing next week? Next week, we, it's going to be around Halloween, best yep. time of the year. Lacey's favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. We are going to be doing something a little different, so we're Kind of a little bonus episode. We are going to be um, talking about the history of Halloween. Yes. And it's very interesting. And then we'll have a little true crime. Probably going to involve some Halloween stuff. I mean, yep. On theme. And so um, stay tuned. We'll let you know when that comes out. Also, just a reminder, um, you can follow us on Instagram Mm -hmm. at Scary Tales Podcast. You can, um, and then we've got a bunch of th- things linked there. So you can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you watch your, I mean, obviously you've already found us cause you're listening mm-hmm. to us hopefully, but you can also support us on Patreon. Um, there's going to be a link in our bio and our Instagram page to where you can support us on Patreon and get little extra tidbits like movie reviews or pre-show ramblings um we're hopefully going to be dropping some merch soon shout outs shout outs as well mm-hmm. yeah um and we just wanted to shout out our people over at sinister coffee and creamery again because michelle um, and kelly michelle and kelly um, kind ladies yeah and you know they're doing some cool stuff over there they've got their coffee they've got their ice cream um they also have a blog where they retell some like spooky experiences that people Ooh. have sent in so they they do a little mm-hmm. spooky stuff too over there so yep. we're we're big fans of them go check them out and we hope to see you guys next week we'll see you then bye 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 <laughs>